Ballet's here. A crazy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Blaze. Ooh, some kind of voice you got there. You sound like the Phantom. You could call me that. So you got a name, Phantom? Call me Evil. Evil? You bad, honey? No. Just Evil. Well, listen, Mr. Evil, uh... Do you have a vote for the top song of the year? No. Just a New Year's resolution. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. I'm going to kill someone you know. Someone close to you. This is Jared McVeigh from Island of Blood, a.k.a. Whodunit, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues, and we hope you had a happy festive period. And, uh, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I don't know what I said period, but anyway, happy festive time and uh, new, a good new year. And of course, as long as it was, you didn't have a New Year's evil. Now, I think... Uh, am I right, Joseph? Is this going out before New Year's Eve or after? After, Justin. It's going out after. After, okay. Well, in which case, I hope you survived Christmas and New Year. And of course, if you if this was 1980 or 1984 or any time in the early 80s, then the likelihood of um, uh, surviving Christmas and New Year is negligible, about uh, two to one. So... Um, so, uh, but this time uh, we've already done Silent Night, Deadly Night. Have we done part two? Not yet. Well, we've done half of part two. <laughs> yeah, we've done part two technically. Okay, yeah, we do technically. We haven't but done maybe... the second half, but though. No. Okay. Well, maybe. <laughs> Have you done number two, Eric? You earlier today? Yeah. Oh dear, it's going to be one of those shows, isn't it? So anyway, well, maybe we'll asked? do that next time. I know I did. I don't, I don't know what's going on anymore. It's uh, too many mince pies. Um, That's why you did a number two. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. Anyway, as you can see, after nine years, uh, we have uh, we've matured to the uh, the um, we should be we're going to be appearing on um, one of the uh, who's one of the one of the really highbrow Blu-ray labels. To put stuff oh, out criterion collection yes we should be on a criterion co- uh, collection soon as you i'm sure you can imagine um but uh, yes we are going to be covering 1980s and that, 1980 i should say new year's evil now of course um well um it's a it's a film i'll give it that but uh joseph it was your choice wasn't it so are you looking forward to uh new year's evil and i would ask you how your christmas new year were but as we were recording it before um it's all a bit tricky well, I my future self just time traveled back and told me that um, I had a great time for New Year's and Christmas. So basically, I, I must fulfill the prophecy now. Whether or not I'm looking forward to New Year's Evil, I that remains to be seen in the review. But I am picking this because it got asked about quite a lot. So we're finally going to cover it. Okay, fantastic. And uh, Nathan, I I do wonder. Well, I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are on News Evil because it it feels like it could be a Nathan pick. But um, are you are you? Is your future self? Um, did you have a nice Christmas? 
Uh, my future self says that my Christmas went by pretty uneventful, but that's what I want. So I'm very satisfied. I plan to watch a lot of Christmassy stuff, both of the horror and non-horror persuasions. Mm-hmm. If persuasion's the right word to use there. Uh, I don't know if it is or not. Yeah, I, I think I it is. I called our podcast Milk a Toast because I thought that was a really funny, or not funny, but fancy word. And then I found out that it's not a complimentive word, so I retracted my statement. You're wow. very milk toast, Nathan. <laughs> okay, well, Eric, did uh, Santa empty his sack for you this year? Oh, I can only wish. Yes, he did. And it was full of wonderful gifts because I've been so good all year. I got a trampoline and I got a PlayStation. I got a new bike. I got a new telly. got a surprise. I got a selection box. Oh, you're, you're a very lucky boy. Yep. I'm glad to hear it. So uh, I have actually opened some presents already, so I do have you? know what I got. Do you know, yes. we're, we're, not, we're not giving presents at all this year. It's like Scrooge's <gasps> Makes house. Makes sense. And, well, we well, haven't decorated the apartment this year. So. Well, I have got, um, I have actually got a little Christmas tree up, so we're not being completely by humbug. Um, but uh, I'm watching a huge marathon of Christmas stuff, as I do every year, so that's, that's well, going to be fun. Well, funny enough. Horror or mixture? Mixture. Yeah. Mm. Well, funny enough, we well, have as well. Technically, so. technically, not very much horror at all because I watched that so much throughout the year. Uh, this is more my time to watch dumb action movies and comedies. So. Okay, well, let's talk about what we've been watching recently. Um, and Joseph, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, the only thing I've watched this week was uh, a Netflix uh, documentary called Don't Fuck With Cats, Hunting an Internet Killer. That's the actual title, uh, although they use two asterisks on the, uh, the word fuck obviously for obvious reasons, but um, what's interesting about Don't Fuck With Cats is that it manages to take an extraordinarily grim piece of subject matter, in this case, the real-life torture and murder of animals and then eventually human life, and it somehow turns it into this kind of this lean, mean, popcorn-munching documentary machine, and it's, it's both gripping and entertaining while it still doesn't forget that it's um, got a very harrowing uh, heart um, at the center of it all. Um, It thankfully glosses over the acts of violence on a visual level, though we're kind of treated to more than one graphic retelling of events uh, through, uh, you know, spoken word. Uh, The movie isn't so much concerned with telling us why these events took place or, you know, what caused the, uh, the murderer to engage in such behavior. Rather, its primary focus is this kind of uh, this this underground investigative angle that was done by these online, you know, this, these sleuths on Facebook, uh, you know, who were, you know, understandably outraged that this guy basically heinously tortured and killed kittens and filmed it and put it on, you know, websites. So, you know, they they rightfully wanted to find this guy. And so the, the, the documentary kind of, you know, follows them as they piece together clues, you know, from the video clips, like stuff in his room, like vacuum cleaners or, you know, packs of cigarettes. And they, they, they use this to determine where he's at in the world. And it's very fascinating. I mean, yeah, the, the film is grim and disturbing. And, you know, as I said, this really did happen, but um, it, it's, it's fascinating and, and very riveting. And I, I'd actually never heard of this case, uh, until this documentary came out. Um, so the, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, did this really happen? 
And um, I didn't want to spoil myself, so I didn't Google it until after it was over. And I Googled it, and yeah, this actually happened. And it's just, it's so bizarre. Um, I think if it has a downside, I thought a few of the key details, they're, they're kind of glossed over. Like, uh, I, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers here, but there's, um, there's, a, there's a moment with a python, and you see a, a set of hands. Now, it, that won't make any sense as I'm describing this to you, but once you see the film, you'll wonder what I, you'll know what I'm talking about. I think it, the film moves so quickly, maybe, that they gloss over things like that that I would have maybe liked to spend a little more time on, but still overall, you know, like I said, despite the subject matter i think i thought this is really good stuff um i highly recommend it um but yeah i mean have you guys watched this yet yes i have i have no oh justin you watched it too i did yeah it's on netflix I here was as well so angry it doesn't even show the videos but like i just i can't handle the um you know real life uh horror i mm. prefer my horror fiction but yeah it's it's um very difficult, I guess, to, to, to watch and I guess know what all happened. Um, the actual, you know, cat killer, and I'm not going to spoil anything further than that, but he is one of the biggest narcissists I think I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, oh, my God, talk about vain. He was a very, I mean, when you watch this unfold and, and they, they kind of piece together <laughs> what was going on in his mind and how he set this up, mm. I, I'm not, I'm not, con, I'm not commending the guy, but he's just, he was very brilliant in, in his, um, maneuverability, I'll say. But like, um, if you think yeah. about like when he's ultimately, uh, discovered, you know, like, uh, in the big, you know, ultimate scene, um, he was discovered for like being stupid. It's, it's just interesting because yeah, he pulls so many brilliant moves, but he does stupid things as well, which yeah, because he's yeah. because of his narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. It just leads to like his stupid mistakes. But in any case, it's, it's very compelling documentary, but I've, I've never watched that again. One time was enough, but it was very good. So, yeah, I thought yeah. it was, uh, it was excellent. I mean, I, it, I didn't know of the case because, um, he, the, the main, well, Luke Magnotta, I think it was his name. He was, um, they thought he might be in the UK, so when he eventually turned up in Paris, because they knew he'd flown to, I think, flown to Paris, and they thought he might have come to the UK. So I think there was, there was um, some news at the time about it, and there were. So I do remember bits and pieces about it. But yeah, it was very well, very well done. Um, but uh, sort of ultimately, I mean, it was, it was a kind of, well, it's, it, it was interesting. I mean, those, I suppose a kind of like real life things, but seeing like his mother being so, so um, still believing that he was being framed. Uh, and oh, she's in complete denial. denial. Yeah, but also that thing, and I would say I won't spoil it. But that that scene with the the hands, and you're thinking, well, why wasn't that mentioned by anyone else in the, the whole documentary? It was, uh, yeah. Well, I think Nathan sent a message offline. I think he's right. I think I think um, it's probably just the handler, but I, I the way they gloss over it, it kind of seems a little confusing, maybe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I always felt like that was the snake handler. Because that was only in that one video. Yeah, yeah, very possibly, very possibly. But yeah, it was kind of, very, it was, it was really, it was very interesting the way it was put together and very sort of well done. And it was a real sort of like, for want a better term, I mean, the, the horrific, the, the crimes were horrific. And the, but it was kind of, hard, you know, it was, it was good to see about people coming together to try and unmask these people, do these terrible things on the internet under, under the kind of cloak of anonymity. 
uh, and just shows that uh, people who abuse animals and people, uh, you know, can't hide forever. So that that was a kind of positive message coming out of it, I kind of guess. But uh, but yeah, so uh, but now we've all bummed ourselves out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, was that everything, Joseph? Yeah, and like I said, I think despite the subject matter, that this movie is kind of as upbeat as it can be, as you know, considering. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend. I don't think I could ever watch it again, but yeah, it was. It is definitely worth at least one watch. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Eric. How about you? Uh, well, the only thing I watched this week is non-horror. It, uh, it's a Blu-ray I, I got as a Christmas gift. I've already opened them, oh. um, which is Waterworld, the Kevin Costner movie. Arrow brought it out on Blu-ray. And uh, it has the Ulysses cut of the movie on it, which is just shy of three hours long. And uh, I'm sorry to say, I like it. <laughs> so there we go. I remember seeing it in the cinema back in 1995 and thinking, yeah, that's a half-decent movie. I don't understand why it's getting so much negative press. And uh, re-watching it again for the first time in 24 years, I stand by my opinion. I thought it was pretty darn entertaining. <laughs> What? Oh, every, every time I hear Waterworld, I think of that that bit in The Simpsons where Milhouse is playing Waterworld, the arcade game, and he puts in like 40 quarters and then the character moves like two feet and it's like, game over, please <laughs> deposit 40 quarters. <laughs> He's like, oh, what a rip. And then he puts in 40 more quarters. <laughs> Very good. I've never seen it. I've never. Is it? Mm. Is it kind of? It's Mad Maxi. It's very like it's it's tonally very similar to Mad Max Beyond Th- Thunderdome. Right. Um, so it's basically just a post-apocalyptic world that's just flooded, and they're seeking dry land, and it, it's all bandits on the sea, and they're all wearing rags and that type of thing. And it's kind of has a cyberpunk aesthetic to it that was all the rage in the nineties. So it's probably a bit dated now that that idea, but uh, yeah, I I mean I found it entertaining. Um, like for a film to be almost three hours long and to hold my attention is uh, kind of unique. So it must be doing something right. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you. Is there anything else? Uh, no, that was it. Okay. What about you, Nathan? That documentary about the cats was the only thing that I've been able to watch recently. Oh, you sound so sad. Well, it's just been busy. Like we were out of town this past weekend to our um, to my in-laws. So, I mean, I uh, just haven't had a lot of time. Lately, and the weeks leading up to Christmas for my job are super busy. I've been working days and nights. So me too. Ditto. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, you have we lots of time in the future when you watch. Hold on, how am I, how are we going to put this? When you've uh, you would have had lots of time over Christmas to watch movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, talking of uh, Christmas movies, I caught up with a film which I'd heard about. Um, uh, um, quite a lot over the years um, and I think it was released it's a French film from 1989 which uh, uh, I think the original uh, title was 36.15 Code Pierre Noel um, to be honest I'm not exactly sure what that means but essentially Dial um, Code Santa Claus that's the one or Deadly Games yeah. or Game Over it's got lots of different titles and uh, funnily enough we'd watched Home Alone and Home Alone 2 and that's the saying when you were saying um Joseph about uh, watching other kind of Christmassy movies. So we've been watching a few sort of uh, non-horror and horror kind of Christmassy movies and uh, Home Alone uh, 1 and Home Alone 2. And I was surprised actually how, I didn't realise with Home Alone 2 how much of a zero carbon copy, you know, people always say about slash movie sequels, they're just Xerox um, carbon copies of uh, the, the original and Home Alone 2 was exactly that. But what I didn't know was that, um, although I think I read bits and pieces about it, but I didn't know to the extent was how much uh, this French film was going to the blueprint for 
uh, Home Alone, and it was made the year before. Uh, and if you don't know the plot, I mean, the plot essentially uh, is his little boy, his mother runs a big toy company, and he's home alone, literally, with, uh, well, apart from with his um, elderly grandfather. And a Santa Claus is hired by his mother, gets fired by his mother on Christmas Eve and uh, finds her address and then goes uh, goes to the house and starts killing the staff and uh, and the little boy who is kind of ram, dresses up as Rambo, basically, and has all these um, uh, traps and boob traps around the house, uh, has this kind of like cat and mouse game with uh, trying to protect his grandfather and uh, uh, alternative... Alternate alternately fleeing from and then trying to take down this psycho santa so has anyone any of you guys seen it i have i i really like it it's it's a very dark kind of almost like a horror take on the home alone uh you know plot structure you know obviously before home alone um Yeah. yeah but i i really enjoyed it I did read somebody said when I posted a clip on the History of Lives um, uh, Facebook group that uh, the director had tried to sue John Hughes. Um, so whether or not it was just a coincidence, but it's very, uh, they're very similar. I mean, obviously, in a lot of ways, they're very different, but that, that whole concept of um, fighting off this kind of um, invasion, home invasion, uh, through the use of booby traps um, with, a, with a, using a young boy fighting off these home invaders is, is identical. So, uh, but yeah, that's definitely worth a watch. I think it's going I think it's either come out or it's coming out on Blu-ray in the United States. So, um, uh, another couple of quick ones I'll wrestle through. A newer film was um, a film called One Must Fall, which was made last year, two thousand and eighteen. Or if you listen to this two thousand two years ago, um, uh, it's um, it's. I thought it sounded really interesting, and so much it was set in the early eighties. Uh, and it was um, about a woman who gets made redundant for her job and um, uh, she has to take a job uh, cleaning up cli- uh, crime scenes. And um, they, um, she gets hired by a company who goes to clear up this crime scene in this warehouse where this killer has tortured and murdered a number of people. So there's kind of bodies everywhere. And the police have left after the investigation, so she goes in um, with the group to clear away the crime scene, uh, but the killer essentially is still there and locks them in and bumps them off one by one. Now, I had kind of high hopes for this movie because it was set in well, early 1980s, and in fact, actually, the, the um, attention to detail on the early 1980s looked pretty good to start off with. Not as good as, say, something like House of the Devil, which I think they really you know, really nailed that, that look, but it, it had that, um, she was dressed in those kind of dowdy 90, early 1980s office wear and her hair was kind of 80s dowdy. It wasn't sort of really over the top where everyone's wearing leg warmers and, uh, DD boppers. Uh, so, but as the film goes on, it kind of falls away and, um, the attention to detail seems to drop off. And the killer, unfortunately is, is more of a kind of a, a, a hostile, style killer rather than an early 80s um slasher movie villain um but it might be worth a look if you if you're not too demanding so any of you guys heard of it or seen it never heard of it no no well one to possibly look out for but maybe not um and the last one was one i thought would be um i almost thought eric's going to pick for his next patreon but uh, it was a film that I'd seen um, advertised for years and years and years. I've never watched it, but I eventually got around uh, to watching Monster Dog with Alice Cooper from 1984, mm. 
which uh, has Alice Cooper um, being this uh, rock star, a sort of typecast, who uh, goes back to his childhood home, which looks very much like a cross between Romania and Italy. Uh, and because the film was made by, I think, Claudio Fragrasso. Um, so it's just filled, everyone in the movie is Italian, very easily identified as an Italian uh, in the movie, uh, apart from Alice Cooper, and it's dubbed um, quite hilariously into English. So, of course, there's essentially, it's a story of um, a rock star goes back to his ancestral home where there's a werewolf and uh, then he becomes a werewolf and lots of people fly around in slow motion and um, bits of blood and uh, and chiffon and latex fly around as well and lots of big hair. So that was the movie in a nutshell, really. So have you, Eric, have you seen that? I have, but it's a long time ago and I, mm. as it's a Claudio Fragrasso one, I'd love to revisit it now that I'm a connoisseur of his oeuvre. Because it was, With the emphasis like on the 20, sewer. 20, <laughs> connoisseur, yeah. Um yeah, because it's been about twenty five years, and I don't think I appreciated it back then. Is it? Is it? Um, you know, is it a laugh fest like Troll Two? Or it is pretty um, funny. It's not up, to, not yeah. up there with Troll Two, um, uh, but it's there's some pretty funny bits in it, and there's some really bad dubbing, and some mm. really heartfelt sort of uh, uh, discussions about uh, about things with people who can't act. So it, in that way, I awesome. think you'd probably enjoy it. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. What about you, um, uh, Nathan and Joseph? Are you Monster Dog? Is that I like? have I have seen it. Um, I used to have the Wizard Video big box of this. Uh, I haven't okay. seen it in a long, long time, but I remember it being quite hilarious. Yes. Nathan, I imagine it would be up your alley. I don't remember. I know I used to own it, but I cannot remember if I've ever seen it. If I have, I don't remember it. So I need to watch it. Yes, you do. I think you'd like it. So, mm. okay, well... That was our recently seen, and we know what's coming next. It is the feature of the week. So after the the trailer, uh, Joseph, you'll bring us back in. So here's a trailer for New Year's Evil. I'm going to commit... Murder! New Year's Eve, and the new wave generations headed for violence. Now, when this guy says murder at midnight, he means midnight in each of the time zones all across the country. Because this year, someone's idea of a good time is deadly. So, you got a name, Phantom? Call me Evil. On the stroke of midnight, he strikes. <laughs> now, what do you think? Will this be a brand new year or just... Coming up next on Spotlight. A different kind of New Year's resolution. A celebration of the macabre. A nationally televised New Year's Eve punk rock party being celebrated in four time zones sets an eerie stage for murders at midnight and this thriller with a twist ending. Okay, that was from the old Paragon VHS release of New Year's Evil. And the last time I'd watched this film was on that very same tape. Um, I rented it from an old mom and pop video store around 95 or 96, probably more like 97 when the whole Scream fad was calling attention to these old films. But I digress. I recall thinking it was quite bland. I, it was like, you know, poorly shot. And that, it, and that was the last time I had seen the film until this week. And, um, Watching the Blu-ray release uh, was something of a revelation. If I'm honest, I found, I, you know, I found that it actually was well shot, and I, I certainly didn't get bland from it either. 
as I, I may be in a minority here, but I got a bit of a pieces vibe in places uh, with some outlandish moments involving, you know, both character and circumstance. These moments that are, you know, quite frankly, I guess, really bizarre. The first is this detective character assigned to monitor the calls. And he, he feels like he wandered right in from the, the set of pieces. I mean, he's such a useless character. I mean, his only function is to victim blame. And then he makes like these sweeping generalizations about this new wave crowd. And, you know, he's like, there's so much evil out there. And these guys are just out there dancing and having a good time. Um, <laughs> and boy, this film really tries to be somewhat classy, but that, that new wave stuff, you know, having just more from the discotheque and not yet becoming that corporate cocaine rock of the mid eighties. I mean, it just permeates this film and it gives it that, that, that really exhilarating atmosphere that I love. Um, especially, you know, you know, me being someone who loves to look back on these times and these places and just kind of, you know, look at it with a nostalgic eye. But, you know, like I said, that pieces vibe, it really lingers, especially in there's, uh, there's one scene where the killer, uh, sends this woman into the liquor store to grab some champagne. And then you get this really hilariously awful editing and acting moment uh, from the clerk. I mean, he gives this sort of, here's your change line. And then the woman, you know, she says her thanks. And uh, just before she leaves, the, the, the camera very awkwardly cuts back to the clerk and he's just kind of like staring off to the right a little. And then he finally says, oh, and you have a happy new year. And it just, it feels so out of place. And there's a lot of scenes that are just like that. It feels like a nail gun massacre or a pieces kind of, you know, kind of got wandered into the the making of this film. Um, I found, uh, you know, like I said, the, the, the whole movie's caked in moments like that. You know, there's a bizarre moment where the killer, um, he angers some bikers and then they wander into like a movie theater and they're showing the red queen kill seven times, uh, under the blood feast, under the blood feast title, more on that later in background. Um, I think, uh, Roz Kelly and her magnificent hair. I think it's great. Um, I think she's great as this kind of flustered, but, um, she's a determined career woman. She's the central figure in this, uh, in this haphazard madness. Um, and the actor playing the killer, um, I'll avoid the spoilers for now and maybe let one of you guys talk about that. that frankly, ridiculous twist. Um, I thought the guy playing the killer, uh, is it Kip Niven? I think his name was, um, I thought he was acted very well. You know, I like how he kind of changes demeanor every time he goes to kill someone. Like he, he pretends to be a certain type of person. I thought that was really well done. Um, I think my only real problem with uh, New Year's Evil, if I'm honest, is that it it doesn't really have much of a score to itself outside of kind of the the new wave stuff, you know, or various background uh, bits and pieces of music. Um, you know, more on that, I think the sound mixing is also kind of weird in that like there'll be scenes of people dancing to some of the music and you can hear like the scuffling of their feet alongside the music, but the scuffling is like much louder than the music track. And it's very odd and distracting. But I think that maybe kind of adds, you know, to the charm of this already goofy film. Um, so yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I think that's a minor gaffe, but, um, you know, overall, I really, really enjoyed new year's evil this time around, uh, this time around, no pun intended. Um, and I do have some more to say about it, but I would be interested to hear what you think, Eric. Yes. Well, I really enjoyed New Year's Evil this time around as well. Now, the criticism often leveled at this film is that it's just really, really boring. And I can kind of see where that criticism is coming from because I I kind of ha- felt that way uh, when I w- watched it initially. But I, there's definitely enough in here to keep me entertained. I mean, for starters, 
there's no prizes for guessing that I love all that early 80s new wave band stuff. And I love Blaze. I love her fashions. I love her hair and her hip new wave dialogue. You know, okay, babies, it's time to slam down and get even. It's time to spin out and boil your hair. I mean, none of that makes sense. I'd love to know if that actually is just something that the scriptwriters came up with or if that was actually lingo from the time. Um, I love her makeup as well. She looks like she's been shot in the face with Homer Simpson's makeup gun. Um, it's utterly she hilarious. She the whore. <laughs> yeah, well, she does. It looks like. Yeah. Um, and also, it's kind of, the film is kind of showing its age in one way because the hottest VJ in town is in her mid-40s or it may possibly older. I'm not, I don't know. Nowadays, you're, you're kind of over the hill if you're 21 in that industry. Um and I'm always intrigued by that U.S. definition of new wave because it differs to kind of what we had over here in the States. It seems that sort of new wave means kind of a fairly contemporary rock sound, but with the fans wearing punk clothes and new romantic makeup. It's a really bizarre mishmash of genres, but I love it. And it's, um, you know, it, it, we see it in other films like in Graduation Day where Felony it come on and perform gangster rock, which for me is one of the highlights of that film. I love it. Um uh, I like the audience who attend the the concert or the TV show as well are, are really fun because they're they're painted as these kind of tough characters, but there's also this real sense of camp about them because they're caked in makeup. And I particularly love that scene where one of them, who looks, I suppose, like a punk, and he goes up to the cop and pulls out what looks like a switchblade, hits the switch, and turns out to be a comb. It's just, it's just so camp um, and I love the Hollywood hotline which is the TV show within the movie um, and I like the fact that the people are you know phone calls are put through to air without any screening whatsoever it's it's just an accident waiting to happen um, just ask the British pop phenomenon five star Justin you probably remember that incident <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they were t- they did a live phone in. They were kind of like the Jackson Five of the of the UK, and they were doing a live uh, phone in on a kids' TV show. And somebody rang on to tell them that they were fucking crap live on air. Um, uh, so you see that I'm focusing a lot on the fashions and the music because possibly the thriller and horror elements in New Year's Evil are not quite as strong. Um, as you know, I not that pushed on slasher movies where we know the killer from the start and we see his face and we know who he is. Uh, so, you know, like in films like Maniac, Don't Answer the Phone and Christmas Evil, although I like all three of those films to a degree, uh, I much prefer uh, mysterious killers in, you know, spooky costumes like in My Bloody Valentine or The Prowler or that type of thing. Um, so it's a kind of a shame that they... I would love to see a kind of Friday the 13th style slasher or a My Bloody Valentine style slasher set against that 80s new wave music backdrop. I think that would, for me, would be heaven. Um, Having said that, there's some decent slasher scenes in there. Uh, He dons various personas and disguises to get from A to B to C. Um, He seduces a nurse, the most unprofessional nurse um, I've ever seen. First of all, she smokes in the hospital and then she's very easily convinced to neglect her duties to have some nookie and champagne with this guy she's just met. Um, the scenes in the elevator towards the end are quite well done, I think. Um, yeah, so I think the film is quite underrated. I mean, I used to regard it as very much a, a grade D movie uh, in the slasher pantheon, but I've I've upped my opinion. I, I have the um, Blu-ray from Scream Factory and it looks great. Um, and... Yeah, so, I mean, as you were saying, Joseph, I just love looking back on that era. And if nothing else, the film has all those new wave bands. um, And I kind of, I like the music and the look of all that type of stuff. So even if the horror stuff wasn't working for me, there's still something I can get from the movie. Um, So yeah, I think it's a decent-ish movie these days. 
Yeah, I, like you, I think mine was, you know, I would say it was a D minus movie, but I've upgraded to like a like a C plus or even a B minus now. But mm, um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, what are your thoughts on New Year's Evil? I think New Year's Evil is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Um, like, like you guys, I love Blaze. I actually feel like there's a lot of people that's unfair to her character, like the fans that watch the movie, you know, because I've read so many reviews where they talk about how she's an unsympathetic heroine, but I liked her. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know her son's going through some stuff, but I'm like, this was a huge night for her. She's it's hectic. It's busy. Like she doesn't have time for much. I mean, she did tell him we'll go out to dinner later and we can talk, but like put your crazy on the back burner for one night. Besides, they got to sing Dumb Blondes and those other crazy songs this new era band is singing, which I actually love all the songs. I think they're fun. Uh, I did think it was interesting that the killer decided to hide in a dumpster waiting on a victim to just, you know, find her way over there. I mean, to me, if um, I found my friend's high heel on the ground and the car that she was in is gone now. Then I'm assuming something crazy's up. I'm going to go back in to the shopkeep who says, have a happy new year, like 20 minutes later. Um, I'm going to go back into him and ask him to call the cops. And, you know, that could have put a flaw in the killer's plan. Luckily for him, she decided to go check out the dumpster. It's probably more practical than hiding inside a snowman. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's just uh, easier, I'd say. But yeah, I think that um, it's it's a great, fun movie. You know, I, I can't really say anything bad about it. Um, I will say, though, that part of me kind of wonders what it would have been like to see some of the crazy new age kids getting stalked at the event that they're at. That would have been a really fun movie, too. So I can't help but wonder what could have been. I think uh, Terror on Tour sort of does what you're lo- what you're looking for, Nathan. Sort of, yeah, but on a more focuses so much more on the band. Yeah, I think you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) (laughs) You're giving them the benefit of the doubt by calling them new age kids because they look like they're about thirty five. I think you mean new wave kids. What did I call them? No, 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 Nathan. He called them new age. I think he means new wave. Oh, I I think I called them new age as well. Or Nathan did. I think I don't know. Maybe we both did. Wave. Yeah. But uh, yeah, is that your opinion, Nathan? That is my opinion. All right. Well, Ju Stinkers. Well, what do you think of New Year's Evil? <laughs> oh, Joseph. Um, well, New Year's Evil. I've never been a fan. I must be honest of this movie, uh, and I, I don't. I enjoyed it more this time, partly because it, it looks actually looks really good on the on the Blu-ray. Uh, it's actually quite a well. It's a well-made film in so much it looks good. Um, I don't think it's a good film. Um, there are bits in it I find difficult to watch. I find there's a there's the, one of the things I picked up with the punk stuff. Although I agree with Eric, I mean it's not really punk. It's just lots of um, um, you know stage school uh, stage uh, school kids um, trying to look tough, a bit like you know class of 1984 or something like that. You know they just kind of sneer and wear black lipstick and uh, purple hair, but they you know it's it's not very convincing. Um, and also it, it does that whole thing is like the, the difference between kind of the um, uh, new wave or post-punk in, in the UK and Ireland as opposed to what was going on in the States. Although I think there was there were some kind of cool post-punk American bands, you know, like the Cramps and Christian Death. And, well, even, um, even Blondie, I would I'd yeah. cast, cast as probably in a post-punk band, yeah. 
Yeah, so this was it was almost like a parody of that. It was kind of it was like what um, a new wave would have looked like to a, a like a sixty year old director or something. Um, and I, you know, very much, uh, you know, agree with like uh, uh, Blazer Ros Kelly. Um, you know, her makeup was like a, you know, the sort of a, a makeup uh, gun. Um, it had hit her at full pelt. Um, she was 38 when she made this, but even then, it was still kind of it. It stood out that she was. It would have. It would have been better to probably to have somebody who was younger in that role because it didn't. It it, it was quite jarring. I mean, I thought she was came across incredibly. Uh, unsympathetic if I'm honest because not only is her son suicidal suicidal homicidal and terminally depressed her it turns out her husband wants to kill her as well so she must be doing something wrong whatever it is I I don't know the reasoning is that she's trying to be a career woman so they're blaming (laughs) their problems on her with murder well yeah I'm not I'm not just it's very not not me too (laughs) yes I'm not I'm not justifying his the the, um Kip Nevin as the husband which I think is one of the good there's there's a great scene it was a great scene but a good reveal later on where this is kind of um ironically the film was kind of seen uh, dismissed as a rip-off of Halloween which of course you know most slash movies were but one of the things that was pointed out at the time was that um, in Halloween you have or most slash movies not most but a lot of slash movies if you have a mask you have the killer wearing the mask um, throughout and then to be unmasked at the end whereas in this film you actually the killer is unmasked throughout unless you kind of um, think a stick on moustache is a is a fiendish disguise uh, um, and then puts on the quite the creepy that kind of creepy mask at the end before he pulls it, pulls it off and you think uh, Blaze is going to go oh my god the killer's here but it actually turns out to be a husband um, and you know all his kind of weirdly misogynistic kind of ranting at her I mean it's all all very odd and i don't think it's it, it, i don't think it was came from any great place of intellect or or um trying to make a message it was it was all over the place really um i there were bits in that i thought well they're trying to make there's there were some slyly funny bits in this which i picked up more on this time um especially when kip nevin picks up the the two women from the the disco after he they fall for his massive mustache um and he's in the car with them and there's um the uh the uh the woman it's a name i wrote a name down is louisa moritz as sally who's this kind of real stereotypical kind of airhead and she's going on about saying um um she's he's stuck in the car this killer stuck in the car can't wait to kill her but she's banging on about haikus and transcendental meditation and then saying her friend is sat next to her saying she had nervous um, diarrhea and so and the killer is rolling his eyes and going oh my god you know um but so you have this kind of playfulness and then he kills her by smothering her in this with this um well not smothering her but um um uh basically um killing of a, a bag of um, uh, grass asphyxiation over asphyxiation that's what i was going for uh which i kind of felt like it was such a bubbly character it felt quite mean-spirited and there's this so this kind of weird sort of campiness through it and it reminded me actually it's the kind of the weird tone that was a bit all over the place of don't answer the phone which we covered recently which had these kind of slapstick elements and these kind of quite sleazy kind of disturbing elements as well it's not to say it's a bad thing i mean this is a film made in 1980 or 79 whenever it was made 
so it's you know it's but it's i'm just it's just observations really um a couple of other things are sort of the observation talking about the nurse i would say that she probably went to the same nursing school as the nurse in halloween too who went went into jacuzzi um and also um you was talking about five star there was i don't know if you remember matt bianco also there was a there was a phone in where um it was another children's show and um there was a, a terrible cod jazz pretty boy three-piece called matt bianco who um, hey i like matt bianco well yes they were terrible band um and someone phoned in and said um says why are you such a bunch of wankers live on air yeah. and then they had to say they had to say sorry children that was uh, that uh, man was very angry and very naughty but it also made me laugh how you had this this call in hollywood hotline where you had this this like five women sat like a like a telephone all answering the phones and the killer got through every single time didn't he i don't know if you've ever tried to phone any kind of tv thing or anything to get through you know it's not you can't just get through uh, no like that i learned that was, the hard way learned yeah. the hard way so um so it, but it, i you know i love the the thing for me the, my favorite bit of it actually was that 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 bit with the the, the um the drama school dropouts presented to be punks driving along the the road or flipping the v and uh you know pretending to be bad punks to um uh fellow motorists uh, to that song which i think it just kind of really encapsulate that kind of fun early 80s kind of slightly anarchic uh uh feel i also love the um really off the heads couple punk couple in the lift who um go accidentally get caught up in the um the shenanigans at the end of the movie and going up and down um they start off looking like they've overdosed on heroin and by the end of it they look like they've taken um speed because they're screaming and jumping up and down um so i thought that was quite that was quite fun um so uh what else um uh, the other thing i was i thought it was, it was interesting that it's one of the, the rare slash movies where you actually have a victim get away from the killer as well with the uh the girl at the drive-in who um the, the killer drives off quite why he's dressed as a priest is never quite explained because it doesn't actually benefit him in any ways really does it apart from he gets a lift at the end by someone um and he drives off and this girl manages to escape the car and runs into this kind of sports ground and hides under the bleachers and uh the police get there and he gets away but she also gets away which is quite unusual for um a slasher movie this time so that was uh that was good i thought the you know kip niven niven as the the killer was was really good in his role i thought it was quite quite nuanced performance um and i you know there's not many times you've had killer in the uh in an early 80s slash movie spends most of his time rolling his eyes at stupid people so i did appreciate mm. that but uh yeah overall it's not my it's still i i saw it more uh, as as you were mentioning joseph about it being having that slight pieces feel to it or something along those lines there there were bits in it that felt um a very very much of the canon literally the canon canon of like those films like x-ray and ak hospital massacre where there is definitely a, a feel um, feeling of the absurd to this um which i enjoyed um but overall i don't think it's it's not a great it's not a a good film it's not a film that i particularly want to go back and watch very often um but you know i'm glad we're covering it because it certainly has its place in the uh the roster of early 80s slash movies but um i'm with eric i would have it would have been you know i a better 
you know, for me, a better film possibly, although I like the gimmick of killing uh, somebody in a different time zone uh, while they're throughout the United States or um, every time the, the clock hit 12 in different parts of the United States. I mean, that's a good gimmick, but it probably would have been a better slash movie with a mask killer. And that mask was creepy at the end. Um, but as you said, with like a, with a, a discotheque full of um, new age uh, kids dancing like zombies being bumped off one by one. then New wave. Um, New Age, sorry, did I call it New Age? We keep, God, we, yeah, I New Age. New Age. God, yeah. can you imagine that? I'm just going to start calling them the New Romantics. Mm. Can you imagine there'd be a New Age killer going around killing people by stabbing them with joysticks or something? That would have been good. <laughs> but um, Here, listen hmm. to some Inya and die. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, overall, I, 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 it's not a film that I'm particularly fond of. If I'm, if I'm going to be the uh, dissenting voice on the podcast on this one, it's not a film I'm particularly fond of, but I appreciate it for what it is. Um, I just wish it had been better. Ooh. Background info. Anyone have any background info, Nathan? No, but <gasps> I will say that yes. when I first saw this movie, um, I thought that the killer was killing people in each time zone as they stru- struck midnight. So, like, he was in- traveling very fast. Well, I, yeah. I realized as I got older that that sounded ridiculously dumb. But like for some reason, that's how I always thought this movie went. And then. Well, as I got older, I'm like, no, I think he's in the same town the whole time. He's just killing people in that town. Yeah, I I wouldn't have put it past him to try something like that because the film is pretty boneheaded in that respect. But no, he's in the Thank one you. town. Okay. Um, okay. Um, oh, I've Justin, got Eric. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, I've got some, but Eric, do you want to? Yes, I've just got a small bit here. That's why I hear you're going to. Yeah, yeah. I knew. I knew. As what? soon as I said that, that's something that Justin's going to edit out now and use it against me. Um, yes, it was shot in 18 days in the summer of 1980, uh, possibly around June or July. Um, Emmett Alston is the director, and he went on to direct Nine Deaths of the Ninja, which I think I've seen, but also Demon Warp, which I've definitely seen uh, later in the 1980s. Uh, Roz Kelly... Now, she had a um, run-in with the law in the late 90s. She was arrested for shooting up cars uh, and a neighbor's apartment after a car alarm kept going off in the early hours of the morning and woke her up. So she apparently was sentenced to three years imprisonment, but it was reduced to 90 days. Um, uh, She uh, came to prominence in uh, Happy Days. She was playing Fonzie's girlfriend, Pinky Tuscadero, uh, in the opening three episodes of one of the later series of Happy Days. But she was mysteriously dropped after those three episodes. And the rumor has it that she just never gelled with the cast. Um, And she later on told People magazine that... um, she did, yeah, she didn't get on with, with the people on the set, and so she was dropped. Henry Winkler, in particular, had issues with her. Doesn't say what they were, but yeah. So yeah, so she that's why her IMDb credits list is so sparse, particularly after New Year's Evil. I think there's only maybe three or four more credits, and then she disappears. Uh, Taff O'Connell, who plays the nurse, uh, who went to the same school as the nurse in Halloween 2. Uh, she's also in Galaxy of Terror, where she meets a very sticky end courtesy of a... I think she's the one who meets the sticky end courtesy of the giant maggot, I think. Um, she had done a pilot for TV, which was going to be a Happy Days spin-off with Roz Kelly. And she knew the director of New Year's Evil, Emmett Alston, and he asked her to appear as the nurse in the film. And she was the one who recommended Roz Kelly for the role of Blaze. Um, and Kip Niven, he's interviewed on the 
Screen Factory Disc, he says that they had an electronic device um, for him to alter his voice on the menacing phone calls, but it didn't work. So he just put on the voice himself and he does, he mimics it in the interview. And uh, yeah, it still sounds exactly the same as it did 39 years ago. Um, So yeah, so they had to just bin the electronic device they'd built uh, and just, just put on a funny voice. Like this. Quack, 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 quack. Like a duck. Like in like a New York Ripper. Indeed. All in uh, in um, Toya Live from Butlins nineteen eighty. Oh shut up you. She wasn't playing Butlins in nineteen eighty. She was playing bigger big arenas. Uh-huh. It's y'all's turn. It's yours turn. Okay. Well I've got a few other bits. Um John Green, who played the cop, was also in uh the other two classics of this year, uh Don't Answer the Phone and Schizoid. So kind of very all very kind of similar types of movies i saw the 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 film started filming in october 1980 but it makes more sense what you were saying uh, because well that's it, what that's what kip niven says on the uh, blu-ray that uh, it film they were filming during a actors guild strike and I, okay. I he said it was june 1980 and i googled it and it was it was sort of june july 1980 that strike was on so yeah well it would make sense because it, it was released in december 1980 so it would have been a very quick turnaround to be october i thought for two months was incredibly quick turnaround um it didn't get a release in the uk until 1982 um when it was on a double bill uh with x-ray so you can imagine how kind of antiquated it possibly would have looked to uk audiences even by 1982 um it was part of Canon's it's a $50 million uh, financial deal, f- um, which was financed from Europe uh, for many of these movies, which included um, things like um, uh, Space Vampires, which became Life Force. Uh, and the budget was around $2 million, and the um, the uh, it was destined for a thousand screen release in December 19th, 1980. Whether or not it got that, I, I don't know. But uh, it obviously was um, filmed in the, in the same way that uh, My Bloody Valentine was rushed to make screens ahead of uh, Valentine's Day 1981. This was obviously made to cash in on New Year's Eve as the uh, New Year's Eve as the uh, as, as as the date. Um, as you can imagine, the reviews weren't particularly kind. I've got a couple of snippets here. Um, the Albuquerque Journal in February of 1981 say, called it the headline with Dull News Evil Rips Off Halloween uh, and goes on to say that things are not uh, also not helped by the mediocre acting, constantly boring new wave music score and some atrocious dialogue. A sample of, of the police detective's lines, there's enough evil here to fill Death Valley. And the journalist goes on to also say, yeah, and there's enough talent floating around the set of this movie to fill a thimble. So uh, not particularly uh, sort of kind. Um, Another review um, I saw was, uh, I can't remember where this is from, but it just says that... uh, it was uh, released on a double with Patrick, the uh, the Australian movie, which they praised. But they called this, they said, although it's early in the year, Linda Gross of the Los Angeles Times nominates this as one of the worst films of 1981. It's about an Oedipal psycho- psychotic on the lam in Los Angeles on New Year's Eve. The killer telephones the host of a nationally televised New Year's Eve show to say it will brutally kill at a stroke of midnight as it hits each time zone across the country. Ross Kelly plays a selfish TV host, Kip Niven, her neglected husband, and Grant Kramer, her even more neglected son. Gross says the film is punk rockers and new wave bands, loud, scary, dangerous, and evil. Um, And it said the R rating is for gruesome violence, unsuitable for children. Uh, Unsurprisingly, um, 
um, the uh, uh, the film uh, Gene Siskel uh, gave it zero stars out of four, calling it a hideously ugly motion picture. So I've got some other bits, but I'm, I am kind of guessing that uh, I don't want to take all of uh, Joseph's stuff. So I'll pass it over to you, Joseph. Well, you guys have pretty much taken everything I had, except um, moreover from that uh, arrest of Roz Kelly in 1998. A couple years later, she uh, she violated her probation um, after allegedly attacking her then boyfriend with a cane. I thought that was interesting. Um, earlier, I mentioned um, the scene where they go into the drive-in movie theater and they're playing what seems to be Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast. Now, that's not actually Blood Feast. It's um, The Red Queen Kills Seven Times, which was also released under the name Blood Feast. And oh, I never realized this. Yeah, apparently this has caused some confusion throughout the years. But no, that's not the Herschel Gordon Lewis Blood Feast. It's uh, The Red Queen Kills Seven Times from 1972. I love, I love that movie. I never even twigged it was playing in the movie within new year's evil mm. yeah um, yeah um that is oh yeah you said it was released in december of 1980 i think it was december 19th according to a couple of tv spots that i've seen um but that's pretty much all i have so you know and may i just say in Roz kelly's defense those car alarms are really annoying they are yeah <laughs> can you imagine being kept up all night mm. You might have done the same thing. What if what if someone had a car alarm? Like if you go and like slap the hood of the car, it starts playing Toya music. Well, that, that would, would be, be a dream come true. <laughs> it's a mystery why anyone want to steal a car like that. Absolutely. Was that a song pun? Yes, it was a song pun. <laughs> that was my ay 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 of yeah. the week. Yeah. <laughs> and now a word from our friends. So. Just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crawl? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastidges. Everybody dies. Horrible horror reviews for a horrible horror world. My name is fucking Dave, the new face of horror movie reviews. Check out Facebook.com slash Everybody Dies Horribly for more info. Hey, I'm gonna fuck you, man! What's wrong with you? Look at you, you got a boner! Shut up! 
So, uh, Joseph, do you want to t- give us some feedback uh, from our dear listeners about what they thought of New Year's Eve? Or do you have a pro and an anti? I do not have um, any uh, listeners of the week this year because we're trying something a little different. However, I did poll the electorate, as it were. Um, uh, 84% of our social media presence like New Year's Evil. Ooh. The other the other sixteen percent they don't appear to like New Year's Evil, um, but no 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 feedback this week. I'll um I'll do better for the next episode. I'm kind of kind of having a, a wishy washy week this week, so my apologies. Okay, right. Well, talking of wishy washy, I think we know what's coming next, don't we? You do. <gasps> yes. It's So, what do you call it when you get really pampered on the 1st of January? A nappy new year. I'm pampered. Like happy? Like happy new year, but nappy new year. Pampered. Well, I'd say a a nice diaper. That was pretty, pretty fitting. We're recording this just before Christmas. <laughs> Justin's sound effects are all over the place today. <laughs> well, I was I was so uh, shell shocked by one. that uh, <laughs> that terrible joke, Eric. It wasn't terrible. Did you understand the joke? Pampers is a popular brand of nappy. Yes, you should know. You wear them. Oh, Eric. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Uh, the only way is up. So, and I do apologise if you can hear. There's, I've, I had to have a quick break to go and feed the the, the hordes of cats. So, um, it's not meeting biscuits. So, can't hear them. You can't hear. Well, that's good. Well, there goes my directional mic is working properly then, which is good. So, well, is there anything left to say about News Evil or anything else? I guess we should probably discuss what we're picking next time. Yeah. I, I don't have any feedback to read out, so people just nice. don't send us feedback yeah. anymore. Well, actually, they do. They just do it. They just send it to like you know our Facebook page or or whatever. They never send it through email. But you can email us. It's the hysteria continues at gmail dot com. Indeed, and we always love to hear from you. And I was going to say, yeah, just um, if you um, obviously, it's great to uh, listen to us on the podcatchers. But uh, Joseph has been doing a seller job on YouTube with, um, what do they call it? It's when you um, added value or whatever. You could have a multimedia or something. But added <laughs> Bonus content. Both, well, production value, maybe? Production, I don't know. Yeah, yeah but you're add, what he's doing is adding artwork from the films, trailers, uh, various things for the YouTube presentations of the podcast. So the Blood and Black Lace one looked especially good. And also we started doing... Um, uh, kind of exclusive to YouTube, I kind of guess, is little filmed intros bias. If you want to see what we look like, then uh, you know, <laughs> and be careful. Hey, why are you laughing? For, then because uh, check it out. People are going to see what I look like tomorrow. I did like a trailer compilation where I introduced it, and oh my god, it took like nine hundred takes just to get that. It's really difficult to get your eyeline right. I find. That's the problem. I don't mind no. talking in front of the camera. I mean, I know, I know, I'm hideous and all. I've, I've accepted that. It's just getting the eye line right with the camera and you're remembering not, my you're lines. Super sexy, and yeah. we all want to have sexual intercourse with you. I will Ew. have Wes just film. Uh, that might be the yeah. easiest for me having somebody film it. 
but I was planning on just winging it. Well, if you've, I there think you go. It, there, there must be some a special trick about getting something so you get the eye line right. Um, I imagine if you kind of dang, if for Eric, you sort of dangle. I don't know something, you know, with the, over the hole, like a something. What? Chunky kiss gas. Chunky or something, you know, on the, not the hole, but the, the lens on the, are you using the... Um, uh, I'm using a uh, Samsung S10 and uh, I don't uh, know where the lens is because wherever I'm looking, it's always wrong. Well, if you work out where the lens is and then look at that, that's my tip for the day. But if you want to check it out, yes. we, we are on there. And also um, this uh, fine month in January, we are on Patreon. We're covering the top three horror movies in 1983 and also our first off-piste uh, choices. So we're going to be, um, we're going mostly, well, we don't know actually the... We kind of uh, mine, and we won't spoil what Eric's uh, choice is, but I would imagine it's fair to say they can fall within the cult movie uh, spectrum. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be, well, my choice is Miracle Mile from 1989, uh, the uh, romance, uh, 80s romance uh, come nuclear apocalypse movie. Uh, so we had quite a lot of fun talking about that one. And, uh, yeah, and then Eric's one will be coming up next month. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so we're carrying on off piece. So uh, all um, you know, everything is uh, moving forward into 2020. So plenty more to come, and including uh, Nathan, what are you going to be coming with, as it were? <laughs> yeah, Nathan gets to celebrate our birthday episode. I do yeah. and I wanted to go with something dignified, and so I've decided to go with Night of the Demon. Oh, you mean the oh, the nineteen fifties? Yeah, the nineteen fifties no, classic. Go with the eighties. Oh, do you mean the? Oh, the one with Linnea Quigley. Oh, I love Linnea Quigley. Months with an S. This is just one demon. Uh-huh. Angela's Revenge. So you're talking about the um, the Sasquatch that looks like Mick Jagger pulls off the penises of bikers. Is it that yeah, one? yeah. That <laughs> I hate one. when that happens. The one where the dad like doesn't care if like uh, God kills his daughter. Yeah. Yes. The he classic. Recommends it. The one and only Night of the Demon, the uh, from nineteen eighty as well, isn't it? I think. Yep. Let's just go ahead and just go ahead and say probably one of the greatest bad movies you'll ever see. Exactly, and we're going to have a lot of fun to discussing that. So that's your homework for next time. Uh, if you want to uh, play along, is find yourself a copy. Although I don't know, it's probably on YouTube, isn't it? I don't think it's ever had. Has it? Has uh, had? I think it is on YouTube, and it's obviously on some of the Baby Jesus sites. But as far as I know, I don't think it's ever received a proper release of any kind outside of vhs well um, brought out a dread well i'm assuming a dreadful um a dvd of it yeah it's probably is, just a vhs transfer that's exactly probably what it is yeah mm. yeah okay right well thank you for listening to this zero continues and what are we going to be playing out with well i mean it's obvious it's got to be shadow and new year's evil so. but of new course okay Right. Well, thank you for listening to The History of Continues, and I hope you have a fantastic new year and free of evil. And we will catch you next time as we go uh, hunting Sasquatch. Watch out for your penis. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. say goodbye to good people. Watch out for your penis. <laughs> Bye. Watch out Bye. for Eric's penis, if you can see it. <gasps> bring, oh, a mic- bring a magnifying honest. glass. You're so you're the horriblest bunch of people ever. No, Eric does have a very large penis. I've seen it. Yeah. Have you? <laughs> no. <sighs> okay. All right. Well. Okay. Classic. Well, that's that's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Oh, that last one I see on my last flash You'll be scared